So we ask that all cell phones and other electronic equipment be turned off. This session is being taped. Anyone wishing to share will be required to sign their speaker release form before sharing. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recordings allowed. The opinion expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. An Ask It basket will be passed around uh, for questions and answers during the portion of the session. Please try and keep the Ask It basket moving because while the speakers are speaking, something may come up for you that wasn't there when the basket went around the first time. So if you can just keep it moving, then uh, everybody get a chance to ask anything they need to. If you enjoy this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other session. They're available on CD or as an electronic download. The format of the session is as follows. Three speakers will share for 20 minutes each. Actually, two speakers will share for 20 minutes each because one of our speakers is not here. Followed by 10 minutes of questions and answers, finished up with 10 minutes of open pitches. And we'll go as long as we, we can if you want to talk or ask questions. The topic for this session is 100 pounders, and our first speaker is Gina. So I'd like to introduce Gina from San Diego. Diego. Good morning, everyone. You know, I must tell you, it was a very long trip getting here. (laughs) Actually, I stayed at the hotel last night. (laughs) And I couldn't tell you exactly where the... And I can't tell you exactly where the room is because I all these twists and turns and all that. So I just have to find out from people, where, where, where am I? Where am I? So anyway, I'm... My time, oh, my timer's over there. Okay. Sorry. All right. Uh, all right. I came to OA the first time in 1980, at which point I weighed 231 pounds, 21 pounds. 21 and a half. People laugh at that, but where would you want to have that half a pound, you know? Anyway, so, um, and I lost all the weight in about nine months. Didn't have a baby, I just got rid of the fat. And then I had, um, and I kept it off, and I left away because I was cured. Oh, boy. I must admit, there at the end, when, when I was in the first time, I weighed every single day on a digital scale. And I was crazy. So um, then I left away. And imagine this. I ended up, after several years, gaining all the weight back plus more because my top weight became 347 pounds. And my first top weight would have been 300 and 200, uh, 321, that was it, something like that. Anyway, so I'm, I came back, and it was, I was so afraid to come and see people that I knew because I knew that they were going to talk about me and they were going to call me names and stuff because I had gained it all back plus another 100. And instead, they said, oh, where have you been? We're so glad to see you back. We thought you were dead. I don't know, I think I would have liked, I mean, <laughs> and I realized that the last thing that they'd heard anything about me was a death, it was my mother had passed away. But that's what the root or got around, that I had died. So I surprised everybody, and I came back, and 347 pounds, 
And it was interesting, to, I don't know if you can imagine this, I was 347 pounds taking buses. So I would get on there and I would have to make sure that the seat was all mine because there wasn't room for anybody else. And I came back and it was amazing. In the first uh, six months, I'd lost 106 pounds. Now, I say lost, but the reality is I didn't lose it. That's what happened the first time. I lost it, and I went and found it. <laughs> and I always tell people, if you can get that kind of interest in the bank, go for it, because it was really good, because when I leaned all the weight back, I gained so much more. The interest was horrible. So um, I did that, and then I, when I came back, top weight was 347, and it took me a while to come down, which was probably a good thing because I had to work the program, really work the program, because it was so slow. And it's hard to describe what it's like to be 347 pounds, what it's like to be uh, waddling, what it's like to have to get up and go to the bathroom at home and having to try and scooch your food along. And then in the restroom, folks, my little graphic here, but sitting on the toilet, I was never quite sure that the toilet was going to hold up. And it did. Thank God. Anyway, um, so I came back to OA, and I stayed. Luckily, this time, it took me a lot longer for the weight to come off so that I got to work the program. I got to learn the program. I got to learn the 12 steps, the 12 traditions. And I did a lot of service. I didn't do that the first time. I didn't do that much service. And when I came back, I worked in the UOA office. And people were upset. There were some people I found out later that were upset because I was so big and that I would give OA a bad name if they came into, into our office because I was so big. Now, what did they think OA was about? <laughs> but a friend of mine said, well, if you want to come and do the work she's doing, come ahead and take care. Take it. And nobody volunteered. So I was still there, and I was at the office and worked there for a long time, for so many years. And then I it was time for me to leave, except that I didn't realize that. I was feeling guilty because I wasn't going in as much. And there came a time when I was having a lot of operations. I ended up having to have both my knees replaced. 200 pounds does help, does lots of bad work on your, on your legs and stuff. So I had to have both my knees replaced. I have a pacemaker. I do have a heart, or, uh, heart uh, one of my arteries in my heart or something has got a, is closed a little bit and uh, a few other things and I'm blessed because I'm still here many people who are that heavy don't make it I didn't think I was going to make it and there were times when I prayed not to make it because it was miserable to be that heavy and be five foot one five foot one you know, five foot and a half inch, actually. And I always tell people the reason I'm not any taller is because my weight kept me, my spine down. 
Now, I don't know if that's true, but it's a good excuse. So, um, I remember I had to, I made clothes. I made, I couldn't find clothes. And I took a bed sheet, uh, double bed size, <laughs> and sewed up the sides and cut a hole for my neck. And that's what I wore, a bed sheet. Because I couldn't find anything else that would fit around me. And God, how today I looked at those sheets, I got so I hated it. Because I didn't feel like I couldn't go out anywhere wearing a bed sheet and stayed in my apartment, right where I lived. And on occasion, I would wear these, remember this, real stretchy pants. Uh, uh, forget what you call the material, but they would grow with you. I had a pair, of, I had a couple pair of those that I could wear. They did get to be so they didn't stretch anymore. <coughs> and I thought, oh, they've just been washed too much. That's what it is. Well, well, and behold, after I came back and I dropped the first hundred pounds, they didn't. They had not shrunk. That they were actually a little loose on me because they had been stretched out as far as they could be. And so I'm, and people want to know how I did it. What food did I eat? I ate a lot less. I don't eat sugar. Haven't done that since 1980. I have a blood sugar problem. Challenged, not a problem. It's a challenge. And people say to me. How can you live without sugar? It was amazingly easy. I had a choice. I could keep eating sugar and all the other food that it would that I would eat from it, or live and live and not live. Or I could not eat sugar and I could live and be here today. And I chose to live. And I wasn't sure at that time. At times, I wasn't sure I wanted to do that. I can remember praying to God when my son was about 13 that uh, about 12 way back and that my, that God would keep me alive until he didn't need me and I thought that would be when he was 13 or 14 my son all far six foot two of him is uh, 42 now and uh, he's taking care of my dog as a matter of fact for the weekend and I'm here because, you know, it's very hard to face the world when you weigh over 300 pounds. It's very hard to face the world when you weigh close to 400 pounds. And I must tell you, when I finally came back to OA, I was actually planning on going up to 400 because I couldn't see anything that was going to stop me. Because I couldn't. There was no way. I could not stop eating. And I would pray to God and say, God, I can't. I just can't do this. And lo and behold, it was amazing how that worked. Because I kept saying, God, I just can't handle it. Finally, I, And finally I said, you have to. I can't do it. I need your help. And uh, slowly but surely. And I was waiting for, I was waiting, waiting for the burning bush to show up. You know, and say, okay, Gina, you're fixed. There was no burning bush. There was um, 
12 steps and 12 traditions. There were people in the program who would hug me even when I weighed that much. And I craved hugs. One thing about when you're morbidly, when you're really obese, morbidly obese, is that you're, I always say you were, we're touch deprived because people are afraid to t touch us. They're afraid that it's catching. And so uh, when people would hug me, it was like, oh, I felt human because I didn't feel human most of the time. And I still kept eating because I didn't know how to stop. Well, I finally found out that I didn't have to. I had been in OA once before, and I never learned that the first time. I had done it. In my head, that's why I said, I did this. Well, no, I didn't do this. People ask me today, what did you eat? What do you eat? Oh, fruits, vegetables, uh, oatmeal for breakfast. I don't, I don't have a magic answer for people because what worked for me doesn't work for everybody else. And that's one of the things we get to learn in a way is that we all have, a, we have the addiction and we have this problem, this challenge, not a problem. And, um, but the same remedy isn't for everybody. We all have our own path to follow. We have our abstinence is not the life. It doesn't have to be like everybody else's. I mean, I drink decaf all day long. There are a lot of artificial sweetener. I wouldn't recommend that for other people. Yeah, for one thing, you're in the restroom a lot. Uh, so, um, and to be that heavy, the only place I was really accepted was to walk into an OA meeting. Because people in OA, most of them, know that this is not because I'm a terrible person or I'm a sinner or because i am uh, been struck fat by the fairies or something. You know, it's because I'm a compulsive overeater. I couldn't stop. And I can understand, people understand when you can't stop drinking or popping pills. I've been there too. I learned, I learned to pop a lot of diet pills. Never stopped me from eating, though, I must tell you. I was popping a lot of uh, diet pills, and I was still heavy. Obese. And it didn't stop me from eating. My, I never understood. It took me a, long, a while to figure it out. I didn't understand what hunger had to do with my eating. Because... To me, it didn't seem to make sense. Well, of course we all have to eat. Don't have to eat at the quantities I was eating. But uh, I didn't know how not to eat the quantities. I had to come back to OA and work very slowly to uh, reach this point. And it took people in the program who had known me before and people that I'd never met before to be there for me. And that's what this program gives me. It's people I can call up. I can call up somebody at 10 o'clock at night and say, I want to order uh, something to eat. Round. Anyway. Or I want to have such and such. Well, I don't eat sugar. I haven't had sugar since 1980, knowingly. 
It's in some things in the can, but it's farther down than it's down to the four, fifth ingredient or lower. So I am blessed today because I'm actually eating the way they say you should. I'm eating fruits, vegetables, uh, some protein. I don't go in for lavish desserts. Oh, that's great because you know it's a lot less cooking too. <laughs> That and the fact that I have a microwave. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, uh, so that's what it's like. It's, it's like being dead while you're walking around. And most people are afraid to be around you or even to touch you. And I'm afraid to touch other people. I was afraid to touch other people. And I'm a touchy-feely type person, so it was really miserable. And when I came back to OA, and the welcome I got, I could still cry about that. Because when I walk in these rooms, I'm not alone. When I walk in these rooms, I'm no longer, I am a lot older than I was when I first came in. Actually, I'm 70 years old today. Well, not today. I was 70 years old this year. And I'm happy to say that because I didn't think I'd get here. I never thought I'd live past 40. In fact, I was planning on being gone by the time I was 40. And I lived farther than that. I didn't know what to do with my life. But so I'm here. And I don't have to pretend to be anything else. I used to do a lot of service at the Oasis. A lot of service. I was there five days, five or six days a week because that was what I needed. I needed to immerse myself in OA. The meetings, the everything. I talk on the phone with people. Uh, and we would get some doozies. Um, somebody wanted to know if they could... Several people, several of these companies that for weight loss and stuff, wanting, wanting to use us to endorse their products. They wanted to make a lot of money off OA, making products that didn't work. And when I, I was there in the office and I would answer the phone and I would say, I'm sorry we don't deal with outside issues. Actually, the reality is I wasn't sorry. We just don't do outside issues. It's none of my business what they're doing out there, but we don't do it. So they finally got tired of calling. They would call every once in a while. Same companies would call. And I guess they would figure that somebody, there would be a new person to talk to and they would be allowed to do it. And I said, no. We do have, at, uh, at least here in San Diego, we have uh, the school says uh, people for therapy, uh, counseling and stuff. And they send some of their students, they send their students over to OA meetings and a couple of other 12-step meetings to get to know what the people are, that they're going to be working with are, are dealing with. And I'm so glad to see them coming in because when I first came in, they didn't know what it was. They just Doctors would hand you a diet and say, okay, follow this. Or take these pills and follow this. And so today, um, today I don't even have to... Well, I do take pills. I take my 
heart medication, and I take my blood pressure pills, and I take something for arthritis. And they tell me the arthritis is because I, um, I was so heavy. Now, I don't know if that's quite true because I know some people that are very skinny and they have arthritis too. So I think that was just, most doctors feel that if you're heavy, that is the answer to everything. You walk in with a hangnail and it's because you're fat. You walk in with uh, bug bites, it's be, you know, bugs bite because you're fat. I thought, I, sometimes I wanted, okay, how much? One minute? Okay. So today I'm here because I am so grateful to be alive. I am 70 years old. And I kept thinking, why am I going around so proud I'm 70? And it finally came to me, because I'm alive. And I never expected to get to 70. I never expected to get past 40. So uh, I beat the odds. The odds I'd set, <laughs> not God. So I want to thank you all for being here and for listening. And for those of you, how many here have been, uh, how, long, how, long has it, how long have you been in the pro? Everybody who's been here for more than a year, can I see your hands? Two years? Three years? Four years? All right. Five years? Six? <laughs> Seven. Okay, well, I'm 16. Thank you, Gina. Our second speaker is Holly. Good morning, everyone. My name is Holly. I am definitely a compulsive overeater and belong in this program. I, I, I have not, um, I came in, let's see, when I came in program, uh, it was February 15th, 2000, let's see, 2010, and uh, I only came because I was seeing a, a therapist who told me, I'd been seeing her for a year, and she told me, this, you need to go to see this group. And I said, oh, no, I tried that one time when I was 28, and there was this whole thing about God, and I couldn't do God because I was an atheist my entire life, so um, it wasn't going to work, but she made it a condition of me continuing to see her. So I went that Wednesday, I mean, actually Monday, and uh, went to the newcomers meeting and um, saw hope. I was um, almost 400 pounds at the time. I was, my top recorded weight, recorded, because I know it was higher than this, was 445, and I was there for many years. Um, I uh, was, a, was a fat baby. My mother freaked out when I was born, because she'd always had skinny babies. And she put me on a diet immediately. <laughs> and I don't ever remember not being on a diet my entire life growing up. And the thing that she feared the most, she helped create because it made me obsessed with food. Um, I look back at pictures now and I thought that I was so huge. And I wasn't that big, but I got that big. Um, I had a, a baby when I was 
19 years old. I gained over 110 pounds while I was pregnant. They kept saying uh, they were going to put me in the hospital. I said, please do, because I don't know how to stop eating. I just, I just don't. And um, they appealed to me that it was going to affect my child's health, and it didn't matter. It, I couldn't stop. No matter, I would sit and cry while I was eating. Uh, food called me constantly. It was the only any time there was any stress in my life, any time anything happened that I couldn't handle, that I didn't want to think about, I went to food. And uh, I would wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and, oh, there's some of that frozen stuff still left in the freezer. I think I'll have that at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it just, it was endless. Um, when my daughter uh, moved away at 18... I barely spoke to her. I mean, we were we were estranged for many years. Uh, my my sister, who I was best friends with, uh, I had lost a bunch of weight right before she told me that uh, she'd been diagnosed with cancer. Um, that was in 2003. I lost a bunch of weight through a um, medical weight loss program. Um, uh, those shakes that you take. I'd lost over 150 pounds, and I'd kept it off for about a year, and then she told me she had cancer, and so I started bringing her food to keep her weight up, but I would sit there and eat it with her, and about four months into this, my sister says, you know, the doctor said, I need to gain weight, not you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what fun is that, watching you eat the cake? said, uh, she made me promise before she passed that I would lose all that weight that I'd put back on. And I did. And so I went back to Optifast after she died. And I lost 170 pounds. And at the first time in my life, I was at my medically accepted weight loss. You know, the, the level that I was at was 160 to 170 pounds. And I was right there. And uh, it stayed that way for about two months before it started coming back. And I didn't know what to do. I could not stop. And I thought it was, must be insane and that I'm the only person in the world who's like this. And uh, nobody will ever understand me. And um, I had one friend left in the world. And in uh, 2000. Eight, he told me that he couldn't be around me anymore because he couldn't watch me kill myself. So I freaked out. That was the only person in the world that I trusted, the only person that I really loved. I, you know, my daughter wouldn't take my calls. I, so um, I said, well, give me another chance before, you know, she, he says, every time I go to my therapist, that's all we talk about is you and my reaction to you. And, and it's just too sad. I can't watch you die. So I said, I'll, I'll go to a therapist. How's that? I said, I'll do something first. And he says, what? He goes, I've known you forever. He goes, and I've seen you do everything. I've seen you go through all of this. I've seen you lose 150 pounds and gain back 200. He goes, what are you going to do? I've, what's left? I said, I'll see a therapist. So I saw a therapist for a year. We worked through some things, and it, and it, it was good for me. But I was still gaining weight. 
And uh, that's when she told me I had to go check out a no way meeting. So I walked in that night. I went to the newcomers meeting. I saw hope. And then I went out to the regular meeting. And I sat in the back of the room. And had no idea what they were reading off those pieces of paper. What is all this hooey? <laughs> and uh, prayers and, oh, my gosh, I'm just in the wrong place. This is just awful. Until the first person spoke. And I started to cry. And I thought, I'm not alone. These people understand. These people are like me. And every person who spoke was telling part of my story. It was amazing. I mean, I really did not, I really thought that I was alone. And I didn't think it was an eating disorder. I thought it was just because I had lack of character. Um, I'd been able to quit smoking. I'd been able to quit drinking. I'd been able to quit drugs. Didn't need programs for any of those. But I needed a program for this. Uh, then the horrifying thoughts to struck me. Do I have to stay here the rest of my life? Or can I just figure out how to lose the weight, keep it off, and go? And, <laughs> and uh, the woman I was talking to said, no, you just have to come back tomorrow. Just one day at a time. I said, well, that's a nice way of staying. i got to stay one day at a time for the rest of my life. Okay, fine. <laughs> but I saw people there who didn't believe in God, who had lost weight, uh, who seemed to be happy people, who seemed to be able to handle life in a way that I couldn't. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe I can find a way to do this. And I just held on to that little piece of hope. Just keep your ears open, stop judging, and listen. And within 40 days, I got myself a sponsor. She's still my sponsor today. It's been five years. In the first year and a half, I lost 150 pounds. The first 50 pounds of which I lost, which is my first abstinence date, was April 24, 2010. And that was the day that I said, okay, I will not go to drive throughs anymore. That's how I started. That's just how I started my abstinence. I couldn't make it any tighter than that. Um, but in six months of not going to drive throughs I lost 50 pounds. So I went, okay, that's really pretty good. And I was also ready at that point to start a step study. Um, I had been going through the first couple of steps with my sponsor, and then I, I noticed a flyer, and it was for a uh, committed step study for five months to go through the big book. Um, and I jumped on it. I called that number, and I said, you know, you gotta, you got to let me in, because it was like a limited number of people. And um, they let me in, and it took five and a half months to go through this, and it was a, wow, that time changed my life. My thinking changed so radically. Um, I was horrified to go through the fourth step, gratified to finish it, and so blessed to be able to give my fifth step to a person who was so loving and so helpful. And just, she asked me at the, when we first started, do you have anything that's like a take it to the grave thing that you've never, you'd never tell another person you were going to die with it? And I told her, I couldn't believe it. And she said, 
let me tell you mine. And she told me hers, and we suddenly were friends. And we suddenly, and it was so easy to give her my fifth step. It was amazing. Um, my ninth step, uh, the first person that uh, I tried to make amends with was my daughter. Uh, I sent her an email. I said, this is, I'm in this recovery program, and um, it's part of my recovery. I need to, to talk with you uh, about our relationship and what I did to harm you. And she was not really overly excited about doing that. Um, she said, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, if you change your mind, let me know. About three days later, I get a phone call. She says, all right, it was part of your recovery. I guess I can do this. <laughs> okay. You're so excited. Yay. Um, <laughs> so I really, I was so out of it as a mom at 19 years old. Um, hadn't thought a, uh, you know, mature thought in my life at that point. And uh, I'm trying to raise a baby, and I'm on drugs and on welfare, and it was a nightmare. But I thought I was this great mother. I thought I had been a fantastic mother, right? I wasn't like my parents. Uh, but then I found out when I was working program that no, not really, not really. So when I went to her, I told her this, and I said, I, I know of a few things that I did where I hurt you. I said, but I'm sure there's a whole lot more I don't know about. And I don't want to presume to tell you how you felt. So I'd like you to tell me. Start. Go ahead. And I sat back and folded my hands, and she talked for 45 minutes. And I cried, and I listened, and I understood her pain. And it was, it was an amazing time. And I said, is there any way that I could make this right? Is there anything that I can do to make this right between us? She sat there for a second. She smiled and she said, this is a really good start. This is a really good start. And I said, so you let me be a part of your life and we can get to know each other as adults? And she said, yes. And I was overwhelmed. I mean, I never thought that I would know her at all as an adult. Never thought I'd have that. And I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have if I'd gone on the way I was. Um, so now we have our ups, we have our downs, but since that time she, she got engaged. I was the first one she called from Paris. Um, thrilled me. Uh, yes, marry him quickly. So <laughs> She was 30, uh, 37 years old at the time, and I had given up any thought of being a grandmother. And uh, she says, well, we want to have kids. I'm like, well, go start. Get going. <laughs> Come on, let's move it. <laughs> and she goes, oh, because I was going to wait till we got And I said, no, you don't have any time to spare. Get going. Get off the phone and get going. And... <laughs> And sure enough, a few months later, I got another call, and she was pregnant. And I just thank God every day for the willingness to work this program to, to change my life in such a fundamental way and to give me 
a granddaughter that I wouldn't have, I would not have known at all. I don't think I would have known this child was alive if I had not made amends with my daughter. Uh, so that's a miracle in, in and of itself. But the real miracle now is that I can go on, live on a daily basis without judging people, without anger, without talking about people. I mean, everyone was out to get me as far as I was concerned before this program. Drivers, every driver was on the road to piss me off. <laughs> every one of them. Um, and it's not that way anymore. It's amazing. Uh, the I'll have those little emotional reactions because we can't control our emotional nature, right? So I have that emotional reaction. And instead of going into it and feeding into it, now I can give it to my higher power. Uh, finding a higher power was a little difficult, but it kept changing and changing and changing as things went along. And, and, uh, and finally reading the big book, it says the final truth deep down inside is that there's the idea of God in every man, woman, and child on the planet. And I thought, that's where God is. That voice inside of me that I never let out, the one that I pushed down with the food, that better me, that's inside. I have to let that out. I have to turn to that. And to this very day, that's my higher power. There is a better me inside, and all I have to do is open up my mind and listen for that voice, for that, that soft little voice that will tell me the right action. And that's what I ask for every day, is the right action. I want to be who, who you want me to be. Show me how to be this way. And uh, it's truly a miracle. In the last year, I don't weigh anymore, by the way. I used to weigh on a daily basis. I used to get up in the morning go to the bathroom, uh, take all my clothes off. I didn't want to weigh with wet hair because I would, you know, <laughs> crazy. And, uh, and weigh myself. And then my entire day was judged by how much I'd lost or how much I'd gained. And if I'd lost weight, woohoo, let's party. So, <laughs> so it's time for, you know, cupcakes for breakfast. Uh, in the last year, I have not really wanted for anything. Uh, I have eaten in a way that is pleasing to my higher power. Uh, I have not obsessed about food in any way. I stopped weighing uh, two years ago. I only weigh at the doctor now. And I went back for my annual checkup this year. And I had lost 10 pounds in a year. I was not trying to lose weight. And I, like I said, I wanted for nothing. I was happy with my food. It had the proper place in my life. And I lost 10 pounds. I, how does that happen? God makes that happen. <laughs> God. So uh, my, my life is so blessed now. And every day, every morning, I'm in gratitude. And... As the day goes along, and I do my 10th step throughout the day, and when I was first learning how to do that, I wrote on my hands, pause, turn, ask. Okay? 
these were the words I was learning. I had post-it notes all around my station. Breathe. Quiet. Uh, I would meditate. Every time I go to the bathroom, I'd say a prayer. I still do. Every time I'm in the bathroom, if I have not been connected and I've been working really hard and been in self-will, and I go in there to the bathroom, I have a few moments of quiet, and I say another prayer, and I ask for guidance. And that started to come naturally after a while. But like I said... I had strange things written on my hands. People are like, what is that? I'm just like, never mind. It's just for me. Uh, But I did what I needed to do in order to make this become more of a habit instead of letting my self-will jump straight out of bed in the morning. I was listening to someone talk, and they said, there's that first voice in the morning that he calls the vulture. And I said, hey, I've been waiting for your ass to get up because i got a lot of things to say. And and that's exactly where my head was every morning when I woke up before OA. uh, There was some expletive that came out of my mouth before I even opened my eyes. (laughs) Another day. Oh, my God. I was sure I was going to die young. I was sure I was going to die before the age of 60. I turned 60 this year. Um, I was going to be on one of those little go-karts because I couldn't walk anymore. That's not the case anymore. And because I've kept my weight off long enough, now I can have the knee surgery, knee replacement surgery that I need. So I'm going to have that one knee at the end of this year. I get to have all this excess skin and everything removed. Uh, just amazing. And life just gets better and better as long as I keep my higher power connected to my heart. As long as I check in with my higher power all the time, and any time there's self-will, any time that I get into self, into fear, anything like that, all I have to do is pause and ask, what is the right direction? What would you have me be? And I love this program, and I love you all, and my time's up. Thank you very much. Hey, does somebody have the ask it basket? I keep thinking this is working. Does somebody have the ask it basket? Could you bring it up for me? Thank you. Um, as soon as there was a pen. Well, whoever's got the blue pen that was in here? Okay. We'll need that back. Fortunately, we'll have a time to share, so if you don't have questions. So there's only two questions in here. I apologize if the pen's gone. Um, So we'll do the two questions. Um, One is, somebody asked, what is your plan of eating? So if the guests or the the speakers would like to address that to... And the second question is, how do you keep from shooting yourself when looking at the numbers? Oh, oh. 
sabotaging. Not shooting. <laughs> I'm so glad of that. Well, that says a lot about me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys speaking the mic for the Oh. Oh. All right. Yeah, listen. I I don't like guns, so I wouldn't shoot myself anyway. But sabotage. And I wouldn't sabotage myself. Well, I take that back. I probably sabotage myself every day. Um, how do I keep from doing that? There are certain guidelines I have. One is... Uh, when I get up in the morning, there's a sign across from my bed that says, Good morning, Gina. This is God. I am in charge of your life today. I will not be needing your help. Have a good day. So that means I have to, and I have to sometimes say that five and six times in the morning. Afternoon, I have no idea. Anyway, so uh, that's how I do it. I just, I have my three meals a day. I have my snacks. I, I can have two snacks a day. One is bedtime for my meds. One during the day because it's a very long day. And uh, but, um, I do not. What was the question? How do you keep yeah. sabotaging? Oh, what, how, you know that's that's an easy question. I don't. My higher power does. I can't do anything with food. I have to have help. So I just follow along on directions. Um, you're right on that last one. I would sab- my t- sabotage myself on my own every day, constantly. And I'm sure that my head goes that way, but I tend to turn it, turn it over now. Um, I stopped looking at the numbers. Um, I, when I stopped weighing after the first year and a half, uh, things got better. Um, some people need to weigh on a daily basis. I know some people who weigh three times a day. Uh, here's the thing. I lost 10 pounds in a year. I went back for a follow-up checkup in two weeks, and I'd lost three more pounds. That happened all year long. <laughs> that happened all year long. I mean, that's how it goes. You gain a little weight during the day, you lose it back at night. A lot of it's water weight. I don't think about that when I'm looking at those numbers. It's at the doctor's office and he said, "At a girl, keep it up. So that's how I don't sabotage myself by looking at numbers. Shooting myself, however, was I thought about a lot before I came to this program. (laughs) God works in mysterious ways. We have time now um, to have three-minute shares. Please keep on topping and stop sharing at the end of three minutes. You must sign the tape release before sharing. So does anybody like to come up and share and speak? What's your question? Okay, so it's what is your physical activity? All right, if the ladies would address that question at the microphone. Well, I don't like exercise. It, it's way too much like work. Um, so my my exercise is I go for walks. I have a nice little dog now that I have to walk two and three times a day, and he likes to walk, so I get to walk a lot. Um, my physical activity is, it's amazing. Just 
there are times when it's bad weather or I'm not feeling well or whatever and I don't want to go out and do the walking and stuff, I turn on the music and I dance around my living room. You know, and I can really get down and dirty, let me tell you. <laughs> um, of course, that's because I have something to hold on to if I get too carried away. Um, so that's basically my physical activity. I do not sit around on the couch for hours and hours and hours anymore, which is what I did when I was very heavy. I had, if I was going to go to the bathroom, I would have to stand up and move one foot and then wait and move another foot and then wait. Well, it doesn't take me that long to get to the bathroom anymore, which I'm really glad of because when you're going down and wait, you pee a lot. <laughs> Physical activity is the last thing I added to this journey. Um, I uh, started by just walking. I um, got some three-pound weights and started doing a few little things, watching TV. <laughs> you know, nothing too stressful. Um, I do have really horrible knees and feet from being so heavy most of my life. So I... Uh, I joined a gym last year. I joined uh, one that costs like $10 a month. I figured I, even if I didn't go that I wouldn't regret the $10 a month. <laughs> and I can get out of it anytime I want. Um, I started going and just sitting on a recumbent bike for 20 minutes and, and pedaling. You know, I did one of those fitness tests on it, and it said, whoa, you need to get back in here. <laughs> you are so far from fit. <laughs> But I think that's probably what contributed to the 10-pound weight loss this year. Because uh, for the longest time, I was, I was going six days a week. I was, you know. <laughs> and now I go about three, sometimes two. But I try to get in there at least two times a week. And I'm on the recumbent bike again. I'm getting much better as far as before I was just going one level. Now I go up and down little hills, so it's a little harder. Um, everything changes slowly. And I do the circuit instead of trying to figure out each one machine and wait for them. I, I just get onto that circuit. And it's a minute working out and a half a minute waiting for the next one, you know, keep your blood moving. And you go to the next machine. So, uh, I mean, just that much activity this year has brought me a lot more muscle tone. Um, everyone thought that I'd lost 20, 30 pounds. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't think I've lost that. But I, it's really strange when you start working out a little bit, everything starts moving. It's really strange. <laughs> it's like I lost inches, but not pounds. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be difficult. And it actually is something that I can look forward to now because I know how much better I feel when it's done. So wanting to, not wanting to, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Higher power says go. <laughs> I got to go at least two times a week. Are there any more questions from? Okay, what was your question? Uh, I'm going to repeat it for the. So, your question's about. Experiences with step four and, and all that it brought up and how, how that worked for you, your journey through that. Okay. 
thank you for that question because it was a difficult to get started into that. That's the one thing I really feared because I'd never looked deeply at my actions or my attitudes ever. And um, so I started working. We had study partners in this group. So we would meet with them during the week as we had our assignment for whatever it was we were studying. And um, the first part, it was really good for me because my answers were like, yes, no, maybe, of course. You know, (laughs) I wasn't looking very deep. Uh, And I was partnered with a woman who, I, I mean, I just thought, I can't work with her. She's, she's. She's from New York, she's loud, she's aggressive, you know, but she was very introspective. And uh, when I went to my sponsor and I said, I don't think I can work with this woman. And she said, well, why don't you try not judging her? (laughs) And I said, oh, what a novel thought. (laughs) So I I did that. I prayed every time I was going to work with her and I said, you know, Help me hear what I need to hear. And I did. Um, She was really helpful in getting me to look deeper. And the realizations that how I had acted my whole life. I mean, I thought I was an honest person. I thought I was a good person. I basically was, but it was always self-motivated. And I got to see what a liar I was. I mean, I, I heard a saying one time that the first victim of addiction is honesty and it is (laughs) I lied about everything everything I was mad at everyone I lied at everyone I I was amazed to find out what a liar I was and um, and everything that opened up for me though it was difficult it felt so good to get to that along with the weight comes off all of the barriers and I could honestly see the person that I'd been and still was without God. So uh, the fourth step, all I can say is it's difficult. It's very difficult. But you want to look deep. You want to making that searching and fearless moral inventory. And, um, yeah, rigorous honesty. That was the first thing I latched on to, rigorous honesty. So... Uh, as long as I had that, I kept an open mind. You know, by the time I was halfway through it and going through my fears and things like that, I was so looking forward to unloading all of it in the first step. It's just amazing. So hang in there. It's, it's good work. It's hard work, but it's good. Oh, okay. Well, what was the question again? Okay. I knew what it was until I stood up. (laughs) There's something about standing up in front of everybody with a microphone. I can stand up at the Oasis. But anyway, um, what was my journey through the fourth step the first time? I have done so many fourth steps. The first one I ever did was... Actually, I remember I... Went to her house, my sponsor's house. She was 86 years old and had a very strong program. And I sat there, and after three hours, we'd finished up all except for the sex part because I was using the big book. 
And as I was leaving, I said, oh, the sex. And she said, you've got more to talk about? And she said it like you couldn't possibly have anything more to talk about. And I said, well, yeah, this. And she said, we'll, talk, we'll do that later. <laughs> she had to fix her husband's dinner. But um, my fourth step was turning it over was, the, was, the, was hard to my sponsor. But at the same time, it was very uplifting. And how did I get through my fourth step? A lot of prayer, a lot of fear, and closing my eyes and not looking at people when I told them. <laughs> Are there any other people that have questions? Any other questions? Okay, would anybody like to come up and kind of share a little bit? Okay, if just come on over here. I have a pen up here and a release. So if you'll put your name and today's date and then speak. And then timer will time you and let you know when three minutes is up. Okay. I want to thank the timer too. What is the date? The 26th? Today's the 27th. 27th? Okay. Hi, I'm Marv. I'm a compulsive overeater. I had a weight problem my whole life. Um, From the time, you know, maybe kindergarten I wasn't overweight, but I I started being a chunky, you know, six or seven. And, um, you know, during my life, I never, as many, and I was a chronic dieter and a chronic weight watcher dieter that, as an adult, that became my diet of choice. And um, I was either on my way up or on my way down. I never maintained a weight loss. I never reached a goal, never reached goal until this program. You know, at the beginning of 2013, I went back to Weight Watchers in January, and by June I'd lost like 57 pounds, and I immediately started gaining again. And I gained like 24 pounds And in the fall, I said to my friend, you know, I I can't do this again because of, you know, losing weight and then the humiliation of gaining it all back. I'm in sales. We'd go to a sales meeting once a year. One year I'd feel really good because I'd lost the weight. The next year I wanted to hide. I mean, it was traumatic for me. Everybody treated me the same, but I just felt, you know, so in uh, September 26th, my friend and I went to our first weight, uh, OA meeting. And um, on October 18th, I started my first abstinence date. And in February of this year, I actually reached goal. And I've been at goal or below since then. Now, for normal people, they might think, oh, you've been maintaining four or five months. You're like, big deal. But it's major. It's major. You know, I, um, I've lost 139 pounds total, 106 in program. And it, it's just, it's so different this time. That's what my friend and I always talk about. This is just different. We have different tools. You know, in the, in the weight loss programs, they give you tools, tools to kind of help you, but it's just not the same. I mean, there is so much more that we learned about ourselves and just, um, 
you know, knowing that, you know, I never let myself feel. Now that I'm not compulsively overeating, um, you actually feel feelings. And that takes some getting used to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's, you know, I'm not saying that I don't do other things to change my feelings. You know, luckily it's like watching old black and white movies and, and you know, or, or exercising or something. But I'm just so grateful to this program because it is, it's changed my life. I, um, you know, I, I, I just, the tools are what just stands out with me. Although I did break my abstinence uh, April 12th. I got out of bed and ate some cookies. It was a compulsive behavior. So I started a new abstinence April 13th. The miracle is I didn't relapse and just go on a binge and keep going. I got, you know, back on track the next day, and I've been okay since, you know. So I I could never do that before. You know, I'd be eating little bits here and there, and then pretty soon I was binging. And I was a binger and a grazer. So, um... The three meals a day thing has, was such a concept for me because, you know, I, I was never hungry for a meal because I ate in between. And this, this has just, you know, given me a whole new way of living, and, and I, I'm so grateful for this program, and I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Harlan. Um, <clears throat> um, he's great. Good morning. I'm Z. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Z. Hi. And um, I am a 100-pounder survivor. I like to say that. I am maintaining a 140-pound weight release. I, I say release because I don't want it to come back. And the miracle is that I couldn't do that without OA and it's been five years. And, um, so it's, I'm just so grateful because I, I, I love coming to, I feel like OA is my family, but whenever there's a hundred pounder meeting that you guys are my people, you know how it feels and nobody knows how it feels. I mean, this is, I've lost 100 pounds twice. I should say over 100 pounds twice. So nobody knows how that feels, you know, um, unless you have gone through it. The, oh my gosh, I, 100, what? Like, and then it, it, it's, it was overwhelming for me. And <clears throat> I could not have done it without my higher power. I can't live this life without my higher power. And um, one of the reasons why I also came is because, it, you know, things are going to happen in life. Like, my grandmother has Alzheimer's, and now she's bedridden. And I need to know tools like, what do you do with that so I don't go to the food? <clears throat> so one of the things that I've learned um, like from uh, the maintainers meeting at the Oasis, 
um, is that they'll take the, the people will take a certain situation and they'll share about it more than, more than once. And they'll talk how they feel and then they'll, they'll share solutions. And I, I, I just, that was amazing when I, 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 I finally got that like a year ago, like I got that. So, um, I just, and, and it's okay that I, I, that I, it's, it's okay that I don't know what to say or I don't know what to do or I'm having these feelings or I'm sad or those feelings are okay. I don't need to go to the food because if I go to the food and I have that first bite of my ecstasy food, Antonio Manja, I named him. If I, if I partake in him, I'm, 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 I'm going to be 298 again and I'm 5'3". And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have incontinence, and I'm gonna have a hard time walking, and um, and I'm 37, and so starting on this journey, I mean, being 30 or in your late 20s, oh my goodness, this is such, this is such an amazing program. Thank you. Is there anybody else that would like to come up and share? No, they have to come up here. Okay, come on up. Um, hi, everybody. Good morning. Um, I think the thing that has been interesting to me recently is the realization that I am a 100-pounder because for a long time I felt like, well, I get gaining weight, and I really, you know, I've been overweight most of my life, so I really don't have a concept of what thin and fit is, but I never felt with a label either. I was just big and kept getting bigger. But the reality is right now when, you know, I look at the reality, which is I am this many pounds over a normal weight. And, and it is, has been just a process of a little bit of acceptance to say, you know what, these rooms, I belong here, one. Two, I do have a long journey to go. Um, and a little bit um, specifically has been with consuming large amounts of food in, in big portions because I, I noticed that even though my choices have improved, um, exercise has improved, all the other things that help has improved, but the, the amount that I still choose to eat hasn't. And I noticed something in the last few months was how gentle it feels when you're satisfied, when you eat something and it's like it's so quiet, it's so... Gentle is just that clue that says you could stop here. And I keep choosing to say, no, I think I can eat a little bit more. Or, well, I usually have this amount. I mean, it's, it's just, it's in many ways, it's almost automatic. But thank you to the program because since, you know, I found it in September, it's been just these little realizations, these little doses of reality that say, you know what? It's time to do something. 
It's time to take action. It's time to listen. It's time to see. And um, that's what we're here for. Thank you. We're coming up to our deadline. So um, it's now time to close the session. Let's thank our speakers and everyone who shared and all who have done service for this session. Please stand and join hands as we close with the OA promise. I put my hand in yours. And we're gonna we're going downstairs. Oh. All right.